What we call live radio, folks. Oh, yeah. You are listening to WKCRFM New York, WKCR HD1. Maybe you are tuned into WKCR.org, or maybe you've got some whole other thing figured out. We don't even know what it is. Whatever the case, this is Jazz Alternatives, the radio show heard each weeknight from 6 to 9 p.m. My name is Mitch Goldman, and from time to time, we call this show. Deep Focus, and tonight is one of those great nights. I have the great pleasure of welcoming back to the studios, Graham Haynes. Welcome. Thank you, Mitch. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always a pleasure to be it here. It is. It is. It's been a minute. It has, but uh, I feel like uh, not a minute's gone by. It's like picking up where we left off. Yeah. Now, uh, what we do when we do these Deep Focus shows, we have a guest like yourself in the studio, and the guest chooses an artist to dive deeply into exploring. And you, uh, the last time you were here, we talked about Miles Davis. It was a corker. Mm. Time before that, we were talking about Don Cherry and Ed Blackwell. That was a stunning show. And tonight, you got one that's, I think it's going to tear the roof off. A little further back in time. What are we doing? Where are we going? Okay, we are playing a record uh, live at Birdland, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, Tommy Potter, and Roy Haynes. And we're going to start off with that record, and then we have some other things after. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Let's go. March 31st, 1951. We're going to go about 60 blocks south on WKCR. Oh, oh, it's coming. It's coming, but it's not coming unless I... Get this queued up right. That's two. That's two technical difficulties in one night. I got a good feeling about this. And those are the gentlemen that are here up until this coming Wednesday. We'd love for you to come by and dig Dizzy and Bird and Bud Powell. As I said before, three of the greatest gentlemen of modern music. What'll we do first? You say you will. That was made with uh, Dexter, wasn't it, years ago? Here it is, Blue and Boogie. Thank you. 
memories that brings back. Brings back a lot of memories. I don't know whether you remember 1945, but when Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker and Bud Powell are on 52nd Street. Here's anthropology. We're going to... Don't, don't get mad. It's not going away. It's coming right back. But I had to jump in there. Man, I, I, I got I to gotta get my legs back under me because uh, that music transported me. March 31st, 1951, at Birdland, Broadway, 52nd Street. And music from Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, Tommy Potter, and Roy Haynes. And in the studio tonight, co-hosting Deep Focus, Graham Haynes. Coincidentally, you two seem to have the same last name. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We have the same last name. I'm very proud to say that's my dear old dad playing the drums, and he still plays the drums live. <laughs> very much like that. Very, very, pretty much like that. Yeah, pretty much like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, you've added something. <laughs> it's just gotten <laughs> added some things. Grown another pair up. of legs and yeah. arms, and uh, yeah. but recognizably the the voice and mm. to my ear, it's funny. I always, uh, whatever we're focusing on deeply in our deep focus, I'm always kind of hearing that player as the prism. So I'm I'm listening for Roy, but it really is very, even in in such great spirits company of such great spirits he's driving the bus he is he's very much driving the bus and it's very clear you hear that and i heard that i, I i'm going to talk a little bit about when i first heard this record Please how do. i first heard it before uh or this recording we should say yes before this recording was pressed into a record uh my parents had a reel-to-reel tape of this record uh I would imagine it was actually from recorded it from the gig. I don't know if my parents recorded it from the gig or someone recorded it and gave it to my father, but we had a tape. We had a lot of tapes, reel-to-reel tapes. My fa- my family had two reel-to-reel tape machines. One was very old, I remember, and one was newer. And the newer one was the one that I would take my father. I would go into my father's stash and play these tapes. Um, so this this. This obviously was a radio broadcast. Yeah. That you hear the voice of Symphony, Symphony Sid, Sid yeah. Torin. Yeah. And, uh, but you guys, so uh, this record, we're actually playing an LP that was pressed in the 80s, but uh, this tape, you had the source material to it before that. Yeah. And I was, uh, I had just started to play the trumpet. When I discovered this tape, and several other tapes and several other recordings, LPs that my folks had, I had just started playing the trumpet. So this would be around 1973, around 1973, that I was just learning how to play. I was in junior high school, I was learning how to play in the band, and I discovered this tape and these records. Now. I discovered this tape. There were some names on the box, you know, it was a, a, a box with the tape in it, and it had the names of the, the musicians, and I believe it had the date 
on there. Somebody and I handwritten, this, handwritten. Yeah, handwritten, yeah, written by hand in, in, in pencil or mm-hmm. pen. I don't remember. But I found this tape. I pulled it out. I put it on. I, I, I spooled it and played it. And it scared the living daylights out of me. <laughs> it scared the living daylights out of me. Not particularly to this track, but anthropology <laughs> scared the living. But the whole track. But the thing, the thing was on hearing this the first time as a kid, and then I played it over and over and over and over, was that, first of all, this music was raw. It was in its raw form. It wasn't neat. The recording wasn't neat. The the breaks weren't neat and planned out and everything. It was just like a bunch of guys who were all killers who got together who probably didn't play together all the time. I mean, I realized that after because, you know, there was a time when Bird played with Dizzy, but then there was a time, long period, when they didn't. And Bird had the band with Miles. And then he had a band with Kenny Durham, and then Dizzy went off and did his thing, had his big bands and things. Bud Powell had his trios, and my father had played on some of those Bud Powell records, which we're going to get to some of those a little later. But the three of them, the four of them, didn't play together all the time, and then, you know, and Tommy Potter. They didn't always play together. I think my father in 51 might have been still playing with Bird, but Bird wasn't playing with Dizzy, and Bud Powell wasn't playing with them. But they had all played together. Um, Dizzy and Bird played with Max Roach on drums and the recordings of that earlier than this. And according to what my dad told me, he said Max was supposed to play this gig. Hmm. For some reason, Max didn't play the gig, and my father was living in Midtown, not far from Birdland. Smart. So they called him. Your dad's part. Yeah, but then, you know, also he was playing with Bird anyway. So... He got the call and he, you know, he played the gig. But I mean, these guys are having so much fun, but there's so much information passed, being passed between all of them. But it's pretty, like I, like you said, it's pretty clear. You know, like Roy's driving, bam, he's he's not just keeping the time. I mean, he's like throwing all kinds of sideways <laughs> breaks and 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 licks and stuff. And you know, they're bird. Those guys are throwing their stuff in yeah, it. You know, it's, they, it's they, all they, being passed around. And this, I guess, you know, when people talk about bebop as a style, you know, when you listen to a record like this, you realize that this must have been like the pinnacle of that music, of that era, you know. It's, this is, And then from there, it, it, it got refined and it turned into other things and other people were doing other stuff. But whenever I listen to this recording now, I just think just how exciting and raw it was and how much fun it must have been for them to play together. I think, you know, it comes across. Absolutely. And a little sidebar, we're going to come right back to talking about this, but that feeling and that moment you can find, I was going to say in many genres, almost any aspect of this music. That before, yeah. Vernon Reed did one of these Deep Focus shows with me, and we gave it a, a subtitle for that show called Before It Had a Name. Mm-hmm. And it was about, like, the early fusion guys before mm-hmm. it became codified mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. you know, this is what you do. This is the patch yeah. you play on the keyboard, and this yeah. is the rhythm that goes with that thing. That It was just, like, these guys going, 
holy crow, man, what, yeah. what, what, could we, what happens when we all get in the same room together? Right. In any style of music, you yeah. have that. But like you said, this recording and these guys playing together, you, you could say was an evening of guys playing together in a way in a, in a, uh, with an approach that was before the music became codified. Music became codified after, well, during and after, but that night they were just you know they were <laughs> yeah. just going for it, and you could hear the rawness and and all the the the, the spontaneity in in their playing. It's like unbelievable. It's yeah. like you know you would think, okay, was that written? You know, like that break there. <laughs> like, did he know that that break was coming? You know, I mean. No, Dizzy and Bird obviously had a lot of stuff, licks and stuff in their arsenal that they played together, obviously. Right. It's obvious. And, and a lot of this is the outgrowth of night after night after night on the bandstand. Yeah, and, and old, you know, big band licks and things, you know, stuff from, you know. Territory when Dizzy, bands. Ter- and stuff when they, they both came from the big band era. So these guys had these head arrangements and things that they would play with these bands. And so, so whenever Bird and Dizzy would get together, we said, yeah, let's play that lick, let's play that background, let's play that break from the so-and-so. And you could hear that, you know, in all of this. It's, it's really, really phenomenal, it's great. It's, it's like it was, this record was made yesterday. Yeah, you know. but for young Graham in the living room. Yeah, so, so I, wanna, I wanna speak on what happened with me after I heard this. I heard this record and I played it. I played it and I heard it and I played it several times. Um, but because I was learning how to play the trumpet myself, I realized, I said to myself, well, you know, I'm never going to play like this. I will never be able to do what they do and keep up with what these guys are doing. We're talking the whole shape of the music or what, I mean, the stuff that Dizzy's doing on the trumpet all by itself is kind of yeah yeah wilting. pretty much dizzy pretty much what dizzy but what they're all doing you know yeah. it's like uh, they, these guys had something i knew i was never going to be able to do so what i did was i started pulling out my mom's miles davis records cooking steaming because that was that was an easier approach for a trumpet player who's just learning how to play you know you're not going to play you know my mom <laughs> my mom told me that Dizzy Gillespie, trumpet players would come to Dizzy Gillespie's gigs during that time on 52nd Street, and they'd hear him, and they'd be with their mouths hanging open, and then it would take their trumpets and throw them off the 59th <laughs> Street Bridge. <laughs> no, I mean, and she was, I don't think she was joking. No, know? I'm I mean, not that's, laughing. You know, I, I would imagine, you know, that that was true, and same thing, similar things probably have with Lou Armstrong and a lot of other players. You know, this is like, what? You know, it's like, forget it. No. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, after hearing this record, I went and started listening to some records that I thought I could grasp a little bit more. Because I didn't know what, I, had, I didn't have any idea what these guys were doing technically from, from a theoretical standpoint. I didn't know any of that stuff. So it was much easier for me to to try to grasp what Miles was doing in 56 than to try to get this. So that's what I did. I started listening to to, to a lot of Miles from the 50s and, and, and Monk also from the late f- mid-50s and late 50s and stuff that was just a lot easier for me to grasp. Then, much many, many, many years later, I came back and started listening to to this record and 
burned and dizzy and bud and all fats and you know those all that stuff from the 50s and 40s and stuff and it's like you know after i learned theory and chord changes and all that stuff and i i i figured okay now i can i can sit down and try to deal with this stuff and that's you know and you still had to get dizzy's chops down well no that never that that <laughs> Sorry that never for, happened it just that never happened <laughs> that you know that that never ever happened i mean dizzy was a ma- was a magician all these guys were magicians and musicians yes yes yeah <laughs> you know i mean there was no way that you know i mean unless you were just an extraordinary extraordinary there's some extraordinary players that can can cop that style you know but i wasn't one of them you know i i i i had to take things very slowly piece by piece you know the slow route you know? well did miles give you something of a blueprint from his playing when he was playing with charlie parker because he didn't he couldn't do what Disney yeah did. well you know that that um it's i'm glad you mentioned that but because one of those records that we're gonna play with miles with with sonny rollins with my father playing that was much there's a solo that he plays on down that i remember that i learned off the record that i still remember and i could sing it you know and i sing it often to myself just thinking about it uh it's one of the most beautiful solos i ever heard you know it's perfect it's yeah. a perfect solo but i couldn't do that with dizzy i could never do that with him i mean it was just too much it was too daring it was just too much fire it was too it it was too dizzy phenomenal you know <laughs> yeah. it was just too phenomenal it was too much phenomena in there you know for me to actually you know to try to do that i have a feeling well, let me just tell you this the, we, now you know why we call the show Deep Focus. This is Deep Focus. Graham Haynes is our guest, and we are in deep focus on music that his father, Roy Haynes, made with Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell. And I suspect that across our listening universe, there are people who maybe in their youth picked up a trumpet and maybe stayed with it or didn't. They're nodding their heads right now going, "Uh uh-huh, I know what that's like. Oh, yeah. But there's one big difference between them and you. You had Roy Haynes looking oh, over yeah, your yeah. shoulder. Now, uh, did, did he? Impart- I was very. I am very fortunate in that way. You know, very much so. Um, did Did he open some doors for you, or? Well, I used to go and listen to his band play a lot. You know, around the time, and that was around the time I discovered this record because my father had a band, the Hip Ensemble, and they were playing around. They were playing on Ninety Seventh Street at McKell's. Um, and other places in Midtown and Downtown, and I used to go to a lot of the gigs and try to, to you know, absorb what was happening with that, which which was much different than this music. <laughs> but um, you know, I I I, I didn't I, I I don't even remember if I discussed this recording with my dad at that time. I probably did later, you know, and uh, he was busy making his music at the time you know he was in, yeah, he, he, well, he was always in the time that's part of the magic in, of roy know? haynes is that it's always now it's always today yeah yeah but it's, you know his playing has not changed as we said it has not really i hear him playing breaks and little things and the way he comps and the way he, he does keep time very pretty much the same way you know his facility is amazing you know my father's going to be 92 in about two weeks 
you know, it's amazing that his facility is really still there. You know, he can play. He can play tempos. He can play. You know, it's like it's a still. You know, it's 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 a phenomenal. He's a force of nature. <laughs> yes. But um, no, I, I didn't. I didn't speak very much to him from uh, uh, about these recordings at all. Um, I I do now. I ask him stuff about it now, and I've you know in the in the in the more recent past, I've asked him stuff and. And he, he he has fond memories and tells and stuff, but you know, just to hear this stuff. Should we play another track? Yeah, let's play another one. Yes. Oh, this is fun. This is great stuff. Uh, we're 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 deep in it. We're at Birdland, March thirty first, nineteen fifty one, and it's kind of an all star night, as Graham was saying. There, uh, these guys had each gone off and become band leaders in their own right. We're we're coming on 10 years since the emergence of these guys in the scene and uh you know they're headliners the club is named after charlie parker it's birdland uh not related to the place that exists now directly but uh it's um it's their time it's their time and it's still roy haynes's time we are celebrating uh an, an astounding career making music that's still not done being written but this was one great night 1951 and uh symphony sid was just introducing anthropology it's deep focus on wkcr graham haynes our guest Thank <laughs> you. 
just a little while ago, while the bars were playing, were saying I was standing at the bar. I was talking to Terry Gibbs. He said to me, just like I've been saying to you for the past few days, it never in life again probably will happen where you can get three great gentlemen of modern music, guys like Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, and Bud Powell, Roy Haynes, and uh, Tommy Potter all together in one group. And don't forget, make it here at Birdland, the jazz corner of the world, Broadway, 52nd Street, dollar admission. How can you go wrong? Right now, ladies and gentlemen, a thing that uh, was originally written by the high priest of Bob, Thelonious Monk. I, I hate to step on uh, Symphony Sid's toes there, but uh, man, okay, so let me back out and just tell you if you're just tuning in, we call the show Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman, and tonight Graham Haynes is our guest in the studio, and our Deep Focus is on drummer father Roy Haynes. And uh, right now we're, as you heard, it's only a dollar to go to, um, wow, Birdland, uh, 52nd Street and Broadway here in New York City, March 31st, 1951. And uh, so we started with Blue and Boogie, which was redonkulous. And then Anthropology, I swear, like they just like stepped up a whole gear. That's the track that scared me. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You know, I mean, the whole record is kind of ridiculous. Even the ballad, <laughs> when they play around midnight. Oh, you know, yeah, but ba- ballad, but that, sure. <laughs> but that anthropology is the track that scared me, you know. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I memorized the melody, you know, and I sang it over and over in my head. But it was like, these guys are doing some other kind of magic here, <laughs> you know, with the chord changes. I mean, I didn't know anything about what chord changes were at the time. You know, I listened to that. But um, then, and you know, just all the licks and the breaks and the, all the, it's just, it's, it's awesome. But yeah, I, I um, and Roy sounded like he loosened up. I mean, he already sounded like he was just laying in his groove on the first track, but there he just sounds like he's kind of unchained and bringing a whole other. <laughs> and then he got a little solo space, which was very cool, too, with the twos. Yeah. And uh, his uh, – there's another undercurrent in all this. There's many, but one in particular, the kind of New York humor and, like, the the, the little musical jokes and asides and quips and replies and – that give and take that's in there and he's just a master of it it's you know what yeah, I'm talking he's, about. He's, he's right there with the rest of i mean bird had that in his playing and yes. so did dizzy and they yes. had it between the two of them yes they had that length kind of you know it's oral you know it's the part of the oral tradition of of of, of black music that goes to africa i mean it's like it's it's language it's really language it really is language it's like i throw you this and then you throw me that back and it's a question and an answer. It's a conversation, you know. And and Roy definitely knew how to throw, you know, his own weight around in there. And yeah. he does. He does it. And it, and it's and it's magnificent. It's you know it's fresh. And um, as I said, it's still very much the way he thinks, you know, the way he thinks and the way he plays today. You know, it's it's very modern, very slick. It's you know, that's who he is, and that's who they are. I mean, you know, it's 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 all the different styles and ways 
of thinking that these men have and they're juggling and throwing all this information around between the, the four of them it's it's you know it's all right there on the racket man now i i want to go back in time and find these tapes <laughs> that were in your house yeah well, <laughs> yep <laughs> man. Yeah. wow so uh yeah all right well uh i wanted to go back yeah yes. i was saying i just wanted to go back and play the beginning of that again because um there's a break that he he sets up the tune before it actually starts that we didn't hear because we started that a little bit late and that yeah, and that right. and that break i actually used i took that break <laughs> and put it in a in, in a piece of music that I wrote um, on a CD that I did in the 90s and, and it just fit, it just made sense, you know, it made sense that break in this piece that I wrote <laughs> Well we're going to give this uh, task to our engineer uh, let's see if he's got the chops to because it's on an LP, he's got to find it without queuing it up, it's a little tricky mm -hmm. so I, I don't want to call him out by name, I don't want to embarrass him, but uh, we'll ask our engineer to see if he can find that spot hold on, hold on, you ready? Let's see 1945, but when Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker and Bud Powell are on 52nd Street, here's Anthropology. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. One more time? One more time. Why not? Why not? <laughs> see if, Why see not? if he can find it again. Yeah. It's a tall order. See if he's got it. See if he's got still got the skills. I hear he used to be quite an engineer back in his day. <laughs> Bud Powell or on 52nd Street. Here's anthropology. <laughs> what do you hear when you hear that? Oh man. You know, what I hear I hear something very slick, you know, but it's right in the pocket. You know what I? The, the amazing thing about that break—it's almost like he heard the break before he played it. That's how perfect it is. <laughs> you know, sometimes in order to play, sometimes in order to play an idea in music, especially in improvising music, you have to hear it before you play it. Like you have these things in you already, and then somebody points at you, and then you have to play it. You know, so like you know, it's like okay. Set the tune up. Give, give, give me a, a, a two-bar, four-bar break. And you just have to do it. You know, I mean, the people in the audience, you know, they, I don't know if Bird counted off a tempo. I don't think he did. I don't, you know, I, I don't, he, you don't hear that. And, I mean, he, he, he might have given him a tempo. But it sounds to me as if he just... Mm. Off the top of his head, he knew the tune, and he he, he knew what the area of the tempo was going to be, and he just set it up, and they were right there. You know, it's uh, it really reminds me of um, of a lot of African music. I, when I first started playing with African musicians, and and I, I spent some time in Paris and played with a lot of uh, musicians from from West Africa that were living that were expatriated to Paris. And you know, we'd play a piece of music, and they wouldn't count it off. They, they didn't count off the tune. You start playing, and on, and the way the music is arranged, is that each part fits into each other part. So one, 
drummer and the guitar player and then the, the rhythm guitar and the lead guitar and the bass and drums it's all the parts fit together so you just start and you're in there and you know where you are or you know where the tempo is because of the relationships between the parts you know and that's what this reminds me of it's just like okay you set it up you got it we're in you know, <laughs> off to the races <laughs> there's also there's a funny moment i don't know if people remember now the solo that roy was doing all these rhythms are flying around and they're swapping bars and you hear the horns play a part and then it's Roy's turn for a little part of his solo. And there was one point where he just kind of pulled back to this very super simple yeah. count off kind of just playing the downbeat basically. Yeah. Uh, kind of yeah. like the yeah. Yeah, so I simple. I know what you're talking about, yeah. No one else would think to do it or dare to do it yeah i mean you know that's the part of the genius you know the <laughs> simplicity the, sim the the genius and the simplicity you know like something like that reminds me of monk you know yeah it's just very simple it's very practical it works but it's genius at the same time it doesn't have to always be like virtuosic you know to be you know I mean, but that's the humor in it too yeah you know like this humor in there you know? and also he does it with such precision yeah well, just well. the touch yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, these guys are playing with another kind of a, a sense of precision that is is very organic and in one sense. But you know, I mean, like you say, these guys were playing. You know, my father would play with Bird. They would play for a whole season in one club. That you know. makes a difference too, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, makes, you know, that makes all the difference in the world. You know, it's not. It's not like they were sitting up practicing in a room all day and then going to make a record. You know, these guys were playing live and we just caught it. And somebody came with a recorder and that was them. These guys were playing all the time, you know. So we don't, unfortunately, we don't have that anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> that makes all the difference in the world, you know. For me, it makes the dif difference in this way. I'm at a point now where I can't listen to a lot of recorded music because I know what's coming or because I know this the ideas are worked out and I can hear that they're worked out and for that reason unless I'm trying to get to a specific thing there's a lot of recorded music that I just choose not to listen to you know but you know in those days you could go down to Birdland and hear you know <laughs> You had to pay a dollar, though. Yeah, yeah, you had to pay a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it boggles my So poor, Birdland, poor people, you know. they had to pay a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> it's still there, but, right? Yeah, you know yeah. that. It uh, serves a little different function now, but the space is, I believe, more or less as it was. It's flash dancers. It's a strip club. Oh, that club, yeah. And yeah, the club. The, the yeah, Birdland, yeah. Wow. That was Birdland. My father told me that Birdland, when it opened, they had birds. They had live birds in there, but you um, you have to remember that in those days people smoked in clubs. So people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the birds that they that birds in these cages, they were in all the club. blackbirds after so a little after, while. After you know they just, they died after yeah, a while. Sure. probably after a couple of months. I'm sure the cigarettes. There is a club today called Birdland, but it opened years after the Birdland we're talking about. Yeah, there have been, been several incarnations of Birdlands. There have been several incarnations of Blue Notes. And, you know, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Birdland actually was up in this neighborhood. Yeah, there was a Birdland up on yeah. 100 and something. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's gone. I think that was the progenitor of the current yeah, Birdland. Probably. But yeah, unrelated to yeah. the place we are talking about. It's March of 1951, and uh, Symphony Sid Torin is your host. And the musicians on the bandstand, this is truly... This was uh, what they, I think they called the Summit Meeting at Birdland, the LP that came out on the Columbia label. Yeah, and, Summit Meeting at Birdland. I think it, it might have come, it, 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 it's possible that it may be available on another recording um, called A Night at... Um, oh, Complete. A Complete, yeah. Yeah. A, a, a complete Live at Birdland with Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker. But yeah. the same date. It's the same date, same material. Yep, March 31st of 51, and um, I think a summit meeting is a suitable yep. title for this because it's, it's the cats. Yep. I mean, you know, there's also there's the greatest concert ever. There's all yep. these other. But, I mean, if you had to pick a band and a time to hear them, hearing Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, Tommy Potter, Roy Haynes, that's a pretty smoking lineup. And these guys, they're just, you know, they're just in the flow. They're just in the flow that night. That's, well, yeah. I don't know how else to put it. The, the ideas are just flowing. Yeah. Like yeah. But uh, you're doing a great job unpacking it. It's uh, And it's a, a treat to be able to hear it through your ears. Well, I thought about it, you know. And when you asked me to do this, I, I you asked me what I wanted to do, and I thought about this, and and I said, well, you know, this is the the record that I went and I started making mental notes about things that I wanted to talk about. So, so the next uh, you want to talk about the next piece? Before yeah, this is around it? midnight. Um, um, it's one of my favorite versions of Around Midnight. I. Um, I believe this is the version, if I'm not wrong, that Leonard Lopate used to have on his show at, w at WBAI. And oh. I used to listen to his show back in the 80s, late 80s, early, mid 80s and late 80s. And he would start off his show with this version of Round Midnight. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, here we go. Here we go. It's Deep Focus. Graham Haynes, our guest. And uh, pay special attention to what Roy Haynes is doing on the drums here. But it's all... And to Bud Powell. Oh. Bud Powell's. <laughs> and to Tizzy Gillespie. <laughs> and to all of them. <laughs> all right, here we go. Back to Birdland. Don't forget, make it here at Birdland. The jazz corner of the world, Broadway, 52nd Street. Dollar admission. How can you go wrong? Right now, ladies and gentlemen, a thing that uh, was originally written by the high priest of Bob, Thelonious Monk, as done by Bird and Dizzy, the fellas, round about midnight. Thank you. 
Midnight, and I remember the year. I remember years ago when uh, Dizzy was playing it with his big band. I think at the Spotlight on 52nd Street. Billy Holiday used to come and he used to sit at the back of the bar. He used to say, "One of these days, I'm gonna sing around about midnight." Never happened, but maybe one of these, one of these days it will. What we got to do, Bert? We got to get one more. We got one more. We got one more. But uh, that was. Uh... That's interesting. That was a truncated version of the song because. There are no solos, really. They all play the melody. Um, what Bert's playing the 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 first eight or the first sixteen, and then then Dizzy plays eight, and then Bud takes it out. It's interesting. It's not the version that I thought it. W- I mean, it's not the the version that Leonard. Uh, excuse me, Leonard Lopez. This is not the version that you used to play on your show. That I used to listen to, that I that I love so much that Bird does. I think that's that's from uh, maybe a later recording of, of Bird doing that. But uh, but I mean, every note, every each individual note in this is just so perfect, and it's they're basically just playing the melody. But it's uh, I mean that kind of is very close to Monk's concept, I think, as I understand. Yeah, well, they're taking a lot of liberties with the melody, and each one gets their chance to, to play on it, and they're all killer. I mean, you know, I mean, I would love to actually hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Can we, we can play it that. again? We Let's play it one that. more time. And uh, and anybody who doesn't want to hear it again, we'll give you your dollar back. Just go on down to Birdland, and uh, no, no. Um, it's all free, so it's money back guarantee anyway. But yeah, let's hear it again. Yeah, and, it's pretty uh, short because there's no solos. Yeah, but uh, and it's also interesting. Uh, Bud Powell really just kind of channels Monk. Yeah, well, they were very close. As a lot of us know, they were close friends, and um, you know they they highly respected each other. And um, yeah, I mean Bud <laughs> was. A, genius genius piano player you know. and then he does that solo where he plays those just pairs of notes yeah. so perfectly and uh maybe you want to talk a little bit about the tempo that they 
play the set? Yeah, um, it's kind of uh, it's a it's a ballad, but they play it almost. What what's the term that they used to use? It's almost it's it's it's, and then it's got kind of um, yeah, it's 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 got that uh, there's a rhythm that they're using that in in the background of it. I don't know if there's a bolero or whatever it is. But um, you know, it's a pretty, it's a kind of an up-tempo version of Around Midnight. It's 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 kind of bright, you know, for Around Midnight. But I mean, it's not, you know. But it's how they're playing it also, because they're playing a lot of double time. But the tempo is, you know, it's a medium, medium slow tempo. Let's, uh, hear that one more time. Yes, let's get that engineer to get this right. I hope. I mean, I tell you, he seems to have settled in because he was having a rough time at the beginning of the show, oh, doing a little better job. That wasn't job. you. That wasn't <laughs> no, you. That guy. <laughs> Fire that guy. Uh, yes, it's deep focus. Doesn't get any deeper than this. We're going back. So this is again. It's that same night. It's it's. We only have these little four. These four cuts, gems. These four yeah. little perfect these jewels. Four cuts from the, that might have been all they played. I mean, I we you know. We don't know how much more they played. They didn't get recorded that night, but I mean, that's I mean, there's enough information in that for me after yeah. the last whole year, a lifetime. Yeah. Well, we are relishing every moment of it. It's a perfect Yiddish word for that. We're 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 just felling. We're just <laughs> okay drinking it all in. Every okay. slurping all the little juice out of this that we can. So, uh, yeah. A lot of juice in there. A lot of juice. <laughs> a lot of juice. All right. You're listening to WKCR. Graham Haynes is our guest, and we are at Birdland 1951. Let's hear that again. Round about midnight. Thank you. 
Round about midnight, and I remember the year. I remember years ago when uh, Dizzy was playing it with his big band. What a beautiful recording! What a, what what ideas these guys! Oof, it's just you know, it's a ballad, but there's so much that they get out of this ballad, and the three of them all take a, ch- a turn at playing the melody and. They're not solos, but they are. They're playing the melody, but they're embellishing and playing almost every, each one of them plays a solo, and that's the whole melody, and the bird plays the tag, and then they're out. It's just, it's beautiful. But it's much different than uh, other recordings of bird playing around midnight, or, you know, or Dizzy playing around midnight, but it's, it's, uh, it's really stunning, something. Mm. Makes me What think. they do with the time and the different, you know, how, how they stretch the time but the time is always there. That always amazes me, too. They, there's, there's a lot of stretching of time going on in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, man, that coming out of that anthropology, yeah. such a contrast. You are listening to WKCR-FM New York, uh, WKCR-HD1, WKCR.org. You can tell your friends all around the world, anywhere. If they're near a computer that's online, they can always tune us in. And um, our uh, our online signal's better than it's ever been. It seems to be in a good place. People thank sometimes God. think <laughs> it was a long time coming. Thank God. I remember the whole period of time when it wasn't there. You that, guys were off for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, and I don't own a radio anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us. A lot of us. Um, but, yeah, you can pick us up all kinds of different places, but that is us. Jazz Alternatives is heard each weeknight from 6 to 9 p.m. on Mondays. From time to time, we get to do, the, to do what we're doing tonight. I'm Mitch Goldman, and uh, we call the show Deep Focus. And we have a guest in the studio. Graham Haynes is here with us. And uh, we choose an artist to zero in on. And Roy Haynes. Graham, Graham you uh, a immensely accomplished composer, performer in your own right. And um, I want to ask you, maybe after um, we finish this set, I'm going to ask you to Tell us some of the things that you've got going on. Yeah, sure. um, but, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're finding all kinds of new facets, even in music I've heard before. You've poured over. Well, I'll tell, Mitch, I'll tell you something. If, I, if this, is the only jazz re- this is the only record that I listen to, learning how to play and learning you know, jazz, and you know, if this is the only record I ever heard, it would have been there's enough information <laughs> in this and these four cuts that you can go on and 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 create, you know, f- endlessly for years. I mean, there's so much in there, and the, these guys are such geniuses. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. You know, I, 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 you know, and the great thing also is by it being a live recording, you hear all that talk in the back the room. I love yeah. I love that. Yeah, and me it's, too. it's amazing because you know, I mean obviously these people that were at this gig knew that it was a special gig because the gentlemen haven't played hadn't played together as a group. You know, the next time that we know after this is Jazz at Massey Hall, which is the one with Mingus and Max, which was a very important recording because, you know, it's about Paul Dizzy and and, and, and Bird and Max. But this recording, uh, I think, uh, is is equally important. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's uh, and you know also to remember that uh, 
this was the music of the day in New York. It wasn't necessarily top of the charts, but this was uh, for people who had some sophistication, awareness of culture and oh, yeah. music. It was it was the pulse. Oh, yes, very much. Very much so, and 52nd Street was the place to be. It yes. It was the place for for people in the know, you know, all from all walks and all f- uh, walks of life. 52nd Street was the place, and these were the guys to hear, you know. And there was a lot of music on 52nd Street, but these guys, you know. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, a little... little Magic in a bottle. It's, uh, mm, yeah. What is it? What's the expression? A mangling? I don't know. Mm. Fire in a no. What is the mat? Well, anyway. Um, Maybe someone will call. Lightning it. in a bottle. Lightning, lightning, lightning in, in a bottle. bottle. Lightning <laughs> in a bottle. Yeah. That's a good. You know, when I first heard this record with this tape, uh, when I was a kid, it was kind of like sticking my finger in an electric socket. <laughs> you know, after I, especially with the anthropology, it was like whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure there are people having that experience right now. Mm. Uh, so there's one piece left from this date. Do we give it, uh, want to give it a little introduction? Should we just let it fly? Um, you can just play, play from there. All right, here we go. Fasten your seatbelts. It's uh, music from, once again, we'll tell you it's Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, Dizzy Gillespie on the trumpet, Bud Powell piano. Tommy Potter, barely getting any mention, that guy's holding it down. I mean, he is just plays that. He's kind of the only yeah. guy playing yeah, a straight he, line. He's the guy playing. He's the straight man. <laughs> you know, the, I guess, you know, I guess you could, in a way, you could have said that about a lot of bass players' roles it, during that period. Um, unless you were Arcus, Oscar Pettiford or, or someone, you know, you were playing the straight role and everything else was flying around you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear Roy's perspective on that, too. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it that does, I would think, free him up to do some of the other things he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the liberation of the drums away from playing a straight playing four straight was down, yeah. one of the revolutions yeah. of this music every bit as much as the harmonic things that are going on. Exactly. So yeah, so uh, hats off to Tommy Potter, mm. no no small contributor in all this, mm. and uh, but Roy Haynes on the drums is a special mm. subject of our deep focus tonight. So let's go back to Birdland, 1951. Here we go. Here we go. Jesus sit at the back of the bar. He says, "One of these days, I'm gonna sing around about midnight." Never happened, but maybe one of these, one of these days it will. What we got to do, Bird? We got to get a a night in Tunisia. A great big hand for a night in Tunisia by a wonderful organization. Thank you. 
February of 2017, a deep focus with Graham Haynes, my guest on the topic of Roy Haynes. That's part one of three. There's two more of those. You could find the other two, not to mention over a hundred other episodes on your favorite podcasting app or at our hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. I'm Mitch Goldman. You can also follow us along on Instagram. I think you probably know about that. What else can I tell you? Glad you're enjoying the ride. Hoping our day will come to get back and hear more live music and start making some more of this magic for future generations. Meanwhile, glad you're coming along. <laughs> 